0: Welcome to the Unpolished MBA. I'm your host, Monique Mills. Many times entrepreneurs are called unpolished because they are scrappy and do things in unconventional ways. Well, I like the name Unpolished MBA so much that I even trademarked it. So on this podcast, we commend those with practical experience because they've proven time and time again that one can be successful in business even if they don't have a formal MBA degree. So on each episode, we discuss topics related to business and entrepreneurship, and I've been told that my guests and I provide insights and inspiration to aspiring and current entrepreneurs alike. So this is the place where you can come and hear real life stories that can help you navigate both challenges and opportunities in business. Now let's jump into the next episode. Lori Potts, I want to welcome you to the Unpolished NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Monique. You're another interesting guest that I have met on LinkedIn. And I just want to go back to like your tagline on LinkedIn, which is really interesting and intriguing is that how you describe what you do. You say you're advising ambitious women. To find and exhibit their confidence and authority on stage and in the boardroom, using science-backed principles. Now yes. that is very detailed, very specific, and it kind of reminds me of how I, I try to tell clients to zoom in on who their client is, <laughs> so and what they offer. You know their value proposition. Um, I, I would say excellent job doing that in this um, in this sentence. But also I want to know a little bit more about what you mean as far as science-backed principles. What are some of those principles?
1: Yeah, so I've heard some coaches say, I do what feel feels good for my clients. Mm -hmm. And that's fine, I guess, if you're getting results for your clients. However, from an ethical standpoint, because the coaching industry isn't regulated, like the medical industry or therapy counseling. I find that it's really important to use an evidence-based approach. And the success that I've seen in my life has come from doing research and following people who are, you know, the ones who are doing the type of social science research that is relevant to today. So, you know, remote work, being able to effectively communicate in different mediums. So I specialize in helping women build their confidence using, you know, social science and interpersonal communication skills that are backed up by psychology and and scientific evidence. So like I said, some coaches don't take that approach, but that's really important to me because While a lot of what I teach is based on my experience, every client doesn't have similar experience to me and I need to be able to adapt my program. All right, let's take a moment to thank the biggest right sponsor now, of the Unpolished NBA.
0: That's TPM Focus. Year, TPM Focus is a strategy consulting what's firm really that helps startups and practice. small business owners generate revenue and find their way to profitability when they're launching a new product or in a new market. So reach out to tpmfocus.com. TPM stands for the Profit Matters Focus.com. That's very interesting that we're even talking about the whole regulation of coaches and all of that. Coincidentally, I did a post about um, someone's response to the whole coaching industry. And just like you mentioned, there's no regulation around things. I mean, pretty much anybody can go create a website and say, hey, I'm a coach. You know, I can coach Mm -hmm. you on working out or, you know, designing your house or having a better mindset. (laughs) Or I mean, there's coaches for everything and there are some great folks out there. I don't consider myself a coach, um, but a lot of people will call me their coach because in the in the process of me working with them uh, um in my consulting practice, you have to get to the person too, right? Because the person is what produces the results for the business. So it may feel like that, but we're actually getting down to the nitty-gritty. So I wrote a post about the coaching industry because I keep hearing time and time again, people say, all I got was a bunch of motivational speeches and mm-hmm. nothing, you know, my business is still where it is or, you know, they still have the weight on, let's say they have a weight loss coach. Um, yeah. So-
1: And results aren't there.
0: Yeah, the the results just aren't there, especially with business, it's pretty, and, and with weight loss and with other things, I mean, it's it's quantifiable, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So in your practice, how do you produce results or how do you um, show prospective clients that, hey, I can produce results? What is it for you that gets people to trust that they can have the outcome they
1: seek? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I have testimonials from past clients. I do job search coaching and teach interpersonal skills. Um, but mainly my focus is helping women build their confidence to achieve their career goals, whether that be internal advancement, um, you know, through communicating that confidence that, um, is deep down within them, that sometimes society has, um, diminished that, um, I want them to find again. I believe that all of us are born confident. Um, but going back to your question, um, for example, my client I had a client a potential client a few weeks ago, and it's like, "What's your success rate with um job like a per a client getting a job offer um or interviews within a certain time frame?" And if I'm taking a science backed approach, like forty to eighty percent of interviews and hires come from referrals. And networking takes time. Absolutely. So my results are between three and six months. Because if you haven't been doing any networking, which a lot of my client, potential clients have not, they've mostly been applying online. True. If that's what they've been doing, then like you've got to start producing leads. I've had people get a job offer within weeks an interview and multiple interviews within weeks but majority of my clients it's within three to six months because it depends on how much time you're willing to put into your job search every week right if you're unemployed I'm a firm believer that you should be doing 40 hours per week it's your new job like finding a job is your new job so um, when my client and like what's my success rate I'm like okay well let me think about that like I went through all of my clients and it was about 85% um, mm-hmm. that had found work within three to six months. But I'm not going to say like, yeah, it's an 80, 85%, you know, success rate within, you know, three weeks or a month. I would be very skeptical of someone saying that they can get people job offers within yep. a week. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 if you're going to get lots of interviews to mm-hmm. then get multiple offers so you can negotiate for a higher salary, it's going to take time. So it's within that three to six months that people typically get results. Um, Most people can't put 40 hours into a job search. A lot of people are already employed. So, you know, it just takes time. But yeah, I'm able to quantify some things. In regards to like building confidence, that's more nuanced. So I would say that people... Oh, like client feedback would be things like, "I just felt so much more confident in my interview, so I was able to be perceived as more capable." Yeah. Because people take cues on how confident they should feel in us directly from us, right? If we're slouched over, talking kind of quiet, mm-hmm. then that, that all communicates that we're not confident in ourselves. Whereas if we, you know, speak loudly, if we're from projecting executive presence, then they're going to believe that you are more capable. Oh, that's
0: well said. It sounds like there is some communication coaching in there as well. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that's extremely important. All right. I like that approach. I like that approach. You know, this podcast is called The Unpolished MBA for a reason. Um, Most of us have Found success in life despite not necessarily having the same advantages as other people. Rather it's in our foundation, our families, our networks, whatever it is. And so we're scrappy and we make it happen. So I know through a little bit of um homework that you have a little bit of unpolished background as well. Yeah, absolutely. So do you mind sharing a little bit of that story with us? Oh, sure.
1: So yeah, the unpolished part, I guess, of my life and business. I grew up um, with a very chauvinistic father and I've always been very naturally assertive and one of those women who is unafraid to speak her mind. I was just born that way. And so growing up in a household that was constantly discouraging of that. I am definitely one of those people that is a recovering insecure woman. I kind of identify that way. Um, and a lot of my clients identify that way too. Like they aren't feeling confident, but I believe that all of us are born confident. And it's just society or a family of origin or a lot of different factors that have decreased our level of confidence. And um, just being able to change that for other women based on my experience um, has been so fulfilling. So um, a lot of what I teach is kind of based on how I built my confidence from society and my family of origin, you know, telling me that I'm not capable of the things that I've always been ambitious for. So that's really you know, tough.
0: You, I mean, your spirit takes a beating with especially those that are close to you uh communicating that kind of information. So how did it manifest itself in your like career? Yeah.
1: I was fired three times in corporate. <laughs> you were fired yeah. three times in corporate. Yeah. There there you go. That's unpolished. Uh it's and it's all from self-sabotaging <laughs> behaviors. But, like recently, I've been doing more research on manifestation to um help me and my business and also my clients, mm-hmm. and um realized that a lot of the self-sabotaging behaviors was actually being manifesting that that's not what I wanted. I oh wait.
0: Want Let's go back to the self-sabotaging behaviors. Give me an example of what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Think of an example.
1: Like I would know that going into a conversation because I've always just been able to sense people and their underlying issues and just the gap between intent and impact really naturally my entire life. So like I go into a conversation knowing that they would likely respond in a certain way to how I would communicate and be underlying consciously slash unconsciously that they would likely not be okay with how i was presenting myself so for example i got years ago i got an offer to uh do a paid internship uh or not an internship, I guess it was a role after doing a unpaid internship at the company. So, you know, I performed really well during the internship, you know, increased the number of contracts through the marketing that I did with LinkedIn, for the company, and um, basically I knew from what employees had told me and what I had, I had observed that the CEO was my micromanager like would interrupt people's speeches, like when they were presenting something, like so hyper micromanaged. And, um, you know, I went into the conversation when he wanted to talk to me about what my role might look like. And I essentially was just really like open about the fact that Like, I wanted the job, sort of, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to work for a micromanager. So I was kind of manifesting that, no, I don't really want to work for you. So I communicated in a way that I knew that he wouldn't like. So then he withdrew the offer, essentially. Wow. Like that. Um, Um, That at the time I didn't know was manifesting. mm -hmm. And obviously it was self-sabotage because, yeah, I wanted the role but I knew I really didn't want it. I wanted something else. So there was just like one kind of example that I can think of. Mm-hmm. So technically I was fired from the role because I worked for like two hours. Or something. Oh gosh. So,
0: Wow. Well, at yeah. least you have a sense of humor about it now, but also awareness
1: of yeah. your role in that decision. Yeah. And it's all based on how my synapses fired as a child. Like I would placate my father so you wouldn't physically beat me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, or like incompetent when I really knew that I should correct how my father was acting.
0: Mm-hmm. But you couldn't, right? Because you're, as a child, you're, you know, you're not in control of, of an mm-hmm. adult. Yeah,
1: exactly. Honestly, if I had knew known about, um, what's it called, when a child or a teenager chooses to be independent before age 18.
0: Oh, you know, emancipated minor. Yeah,
1: there we go. Yeah. Um, I got that because yeah. I was so, like, being in my household where everyone was incompetent and incapable. And like, I was from a young age, I could tell that I was more capable than my parents were. Yeah. And wow, my, my mom chose to stay with my father and still is to this day even though he has been abusive the entire time.
0: Oh my. Uh,
1: and, and I'm one of those people that just don't, don't put up bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I would have left. So <laughs> if I had known about like that type of option, because it was just absolutely ridiculous the amount of um, to- what was tolerated by my mother. Mm-hmm. That is one of those
0: things that I think a lot of people don't realize is how much your childhood plays into who you are as an adult as a no. as a friend as a wife as a mother as as just a worker as you mentioned thanks
1: for sharing that with us yeah, of course you know, there are methods to help you change how your brain brain synapses are fiery, so if you're recognizing that there are self sabotaging behaviors in your life or you keep going through these patterns but you're starting to recognize like but that's not what i want but that's not what i want but i keep manifesting or producing these outcomes that are opposite and contrary to my desires and the life that i you know ha- want for myself so if you're kind of at that point then it's probably time to hire someone to help you change your mindset and change um the actions that you're taking on a daily basis to help your brain synapses to start firing in a different direction. Because our brain synapses like to fire on the path most travel, Not because it serves us, but because it's familiar. Even if we know that it will be unsafe, even if we know that it won't help us progress, our brains will go down the path that's familiar because we can predict it. So we're safer Mm. if we can predict what will happen even if it doesn't help. That's deep.
0: I can totally see how that plays out in so many different ways for people. At least, well, here's the thing, especially for those people who come from anxiety-filled, uncertain backgrounds, right? They want to be able to know what's going to happen next, even if that decision won't be the best outcome. So, when you say science backed, you are definitely onto something much different than uh a lot of people in your space. Another thing I want you to address is um a very I think this term is thrown around a lot is imposter syndrome. Um, but I think you have a you have a unique perspective on overcoming imposter syndrome in order to achieve goals. Now, can you elaborate on that?
1: Yeah. I definitely experienced imposter syndrome because I was constantly told, you know, you're not supposed to be the way that I naturally was my entire childhood. And so, um, and on top of that, right, imposter syndrome is that feeling that, um, like, you're going to be found out as a fraud. You're going to get in trouble for trying to be someone greater than who you really should try to act like according to society's expectations. And and so on top of that, because of the trauma I experienced during childhood, when I would feel imposter syndrome, it was very intense. Like you're physically going to be beat, hurt, psychologically damaged if you act assertive and own your power to say, yes, I can get results for you to a client. And I'd already had, but it was in those points when I was like, I'm done working in marketing. I don't want to do, I would, I'm tired of trying to be someone I'm not. And I was like really owning my power and deciding to go full on into my business when I started having imposter syndrome at such an intense level. So, um... I recognize that like, that's what it was. And it was like sort of mini panic attacks mm-hmm. when I would try to um, like tell myself, yes, I can do this. Um, so yeah, it can be a significant challenge. I don't think most people have that extreme of an experience with imposter syndrome, but you can overcome it by doing little things every day that teaches your brain, oh, I can do that. Oh, I can do that. A lot of the time when we're thinking of like overcoming our anxiety, like for example, with public speaking, we think of like, okay, I want to give a TED talk one day. So that's like in front of like 200 or 500 people. And you're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. That's so intimidating. So much anxiety. But if you start small For example, improving your presence in meetings, right? Just speaking with more confidence when there's lots of different people sharing their opinions, right? That's a form of public speaking. So start there. There's, you know, being able to present something to your peers. And then there's presenting something to a client or the team of executives, And then there's presenting to a bigger audience. And then there's pitching yourself for your TED Talk. So you're building your confidence in small ways. And that helps teach your brain that, oh, I can do this and I can feel safe when I do it. Surrounding yourself with people who support you, especially when you're doing something that creates anxiety or infoster syndrome for yourself. And knowing that these people are likely going to tell you the opposite of what the world has likely told you for so long that really enables you to learn that people will accept me when I do this. People will see me as worthy when I do this. The world will, you know, not hate me. Whatever it is that your brain is telling you, like find people who tell you the opposite, build that tribe. Those are steps that I've taken throughout my life and especially over the last few years to build my confidence as a coach and consultant. Um, Don't wait for, for example, a person in position of authority or a main brand to tell you that you're capable and competent. Just go for it. Surround yourself with people who treat you the way that you want to be treated and feel like if you want to be seen as a highly competent executive or an advisor, then surround yourself with people who treat you that way already. Uh, That's great advice. It sounds like one
0: of the things folks can do is call a meeting, right? <laughs> call a meeting with with people um, and present to them. Like that is fundamentally what you're doing when you're pitching or proposing something, whether it's to your coworkers or to complete strangers. I remember back when live streaming first started really becoming popular on my radar. I used to be a live streamer on Periscope back when it was hot and popping and brand new. And I know a lot of people became professional speakers from starting at that platform and being on camera. And people would hop in and be like, oh, wow, that was very helpful. That was useful. Thanks for sharing. Now it's even more popular and easier than ever to create an audience for yourself, even if it's just through LinkedIn audio, right? Setting up an event, basically calling a meeting and presenting something to people, complete strangers. Um, You'd be surprised the affirmation you receive from that, which helps you continue to keep going. Yeah. LinkedIn
1: audio is a great option if you don't like presenting on camera. That's something you're insecure about. Um, Keep in mind that most uh, video conferencing platforms now have the option to not see yourself anymore. So if you don't if you're self-conscious about how you look or whatever, you don't have to have that on. You can just see the other people. Um but with LinkedIn audio, that's a great option. You don't have to worry about how you look. People just listen to it, um they can ask questions and then you answer them um and you just pick a topic that you're going to speak on. With I First, did my first LinkedIn live um for me my issues always seem to be tech issues so
0: excuse
1: me um and so I wanted someone else to kind of guide me through it so my friend Shelly Kay, who is also career coach for women um I asked her if she'd be willing to like do a joint LinkedIn live with me and just show me how the tools work. Show me how the tech tools work. And um, it was, it went great. Um, We decided on a topic. We did a brief outline on what we would discuss. um, And then we just had a conversation on LinkedIn live about it and invited people. And because I grew up with a perfectionistic father, after I do something that um, others would judge me on, for example, public speaking or, um, you know, after a strategy or discovery call with a client, you know, people are analyzing whether they want to take my advice or work with me or whatever. And after the LinkedIn live, I immediately asked her like, so how did that go? And she's like, it went great. I was like, Really? They kind of <laughs> like because for me, my brain automatically goes to what did I do wrong, so I can fix it immediately, so I don't get criticized. Because mm-hmm. my father was such a perfectionist and mm-hmm. would immediately like see if something went right or wrong, and immediately say something about it. And so that's what my brain did for a really long time. And now because I've surrounded myself with people who are not like him, because he is. I lay the exception. Most people are not hypercritical and perfectionistic mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. People are like, oh, that was great advice. Thanks. And they move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of us, I want to mention this because that has to do with imposter syndrome. A lot of us suffer from spotlight effect, which is mm-hmm. believing that other people are noticing our mistakes and are analyzing us way more than they really are. <laughs> That's when good. We're all absorbed in our own lives. No one uh, and yes, like if someone's considering working with me, naturally, they're going to be making a decision, so they have to do you know judgment and analysis to see if it's the right fit. um but even with public speaking, if someone is listening to you, they're probably just thinking, "Oh, that's such a great message and good advice, and unless they're like a public speaking coach like I am, they're probably not going to be hyper analyzing everything and even though I am a public speaking coach, I try to turn that off when I'm listening to someone or listening to a TED talk, unless I'm coaching them, because it doesn't serve me or them for me to be hypercritical or not not hypercritical, but, you know, doing an honest assessment of the performance. So just keep in mind that like those trolls that you might see on social media or um, the people who are critical, they are the exception. Most of the time, everyone just wants to be supported and wants to support other people. And they they just honestly are perfectly accepting of whatever it is that you're communicating. They're just like, oh, that was Hi great. So One much for, last you know, that I forgot presenting, to mention. You know, this proposal Lori at work wants or to offer whatever it might every be Every person who's doing. Listening. People Ten are in their own lives. They're not judging you nearly as much as you
0: if you mentioned that's great, that you've heard of her on. I don't the mean Unpolished to, say, to make it sound this way so, when I say it. Take so advantage of everyone, the opportunity. Don't look at this as being an extreme listening. statement, but people don't care as much as you think they do. Like <laughs> we're very self-consumed. Um, you know, you may think is there a hair out of place, and they're thinking if their hair is out of place, they're not thinking about your hair. Um, yeah, that's going to be a great uh, audiogram for this episode. And with that, I want to make sure people get information on the best way to find you and connect with you or to learn more about your services. How can they best do that?
1: Um, I am on LinkedIn. So search Lori T. Potts um, and you'll probably find me. I'm a career coach, a public speaking coach. So feel free to use those keywords as well. Um, I post about job search tips, communication tips, how to build your confidence and overcome imposter syndrome. So... If you are someone who's looking for work and is struggling, you've done what you can so far to, you know, meet your career goals, get promoted or, you know, find a new job and you've done what you can and you're kind of stuck, then feel free to reach out. I'd love to have a conversation. I offer free strategy call, free career strategy calls to, you know, help you identify what is really blocking you from achieving your goals. And I can let you know about my programs if that's something that you want to learn about and if it's a good fit at the end of the conversation. That's great. People really need that right now. With that, Lori,
0: I want to thank you for joining us today on Unpolished MBA. Thank you for having me, Monique. It's a pleasure.